Welcome to a very special bonus episode of Dole Open Dreams. There haven't been many of these lately, so I figured this was a great time. Uh, so I have Hannah Katz with me today. Hannah is going to be a guest on an upcoming episode. Uh, we'll keep the title secret for now. But Hannah has had a really awesome experience uh, in the last year of getting to live in Japan. And so today we are going to talk about Disneyland Tokyo and Disney Sea uh, in Japan and what kind of unique experiences that is since I have not been and being the park fiend I am I really wanted Hannah to kind of talk about this and I figured you all who have not gotten to go yet will uh, get to enjoy this as well so Hannah if you want to talk a little bit about why you were in Japan for a year and uh, how just I guess a cliff notes version of how that was for you as an American teaching English in Japan yeah so hi everybody I'm Hannah um so I lived in Japan from 2019 to 2020 um I ended up coming back to the states around February which um ended up being pretty good timing all things considered um and before that I had only been to Japan for 10 days um, I was really lucky when I was finishing school. I had some extra scholarship money and some, you know, family who lent me their house and were very supportive and gave me some extra funds too. And so I went backpacking and um, I ended up in Japan at one point and I loved it so much that I felt like I wasn't done. Uh, so I went back and taught there for a year. Um, so I went to Tokyo Disney my first time ever in Japan, which was so cool. Um, and it was actually basically the first thing I did by myself in Japan, almost. Um, and then uh, as a person who lived there, um, I was... So Tokyo Disney is technically not in Tokyo, um, just like uh, Orlando's Disney World is not really in Orlando. It's in Kissimmee. Um, so it was a little far from me. So I didn't get the annual pass, but I still think I went like eight or nine times if I'm counting right. Um, great. So, so, but you were from the Miami area. Yes. Originally. Yes. Yeah. So I'm from Fort Lauderdale Broward area, which means that the parks were like a three and a half hour drive from me growing up. So we used to go, uh, every other year or every three years or something like the whole time I was growing up. But so you, so we're going to have kind of, um, we're going to compare and contrast a little bit with what you know, which is Walt Disney World, since you have not gotten to visit Disneyland yet, but I'm hoping we will, I'm hoping we will change that soon and we will go together. Um, so there'll be a little comparing and contrasting just, uh, to give our audience at home who has probably also been to Walt Disney World, just some scale and just some idea of, of what we're talking about. So let's talk about your first time you were visiting, you were there as a tourist, not living there. Um, and I love that Disneyland was like the first thing you did because also me (laughs) Disneyland was the first thing that I was going to do I was literally going to go to England this year and go to uh, go back to France just to go to Disneyland Paris Uh, but it did not end up happening so let's talk a little bit about your first time there what were some things that you were kind of surprised about just right off the bat sure so um so the reason that I did Tokyo Disney like the first thing I did when I landed in Japan was because I was really nervous um, and my family was really nervous about the language barrier of being in an Asian country um, where, yes, the signs are in English and yes, Tokyo is the capital of Japan. um, So there is going to be more English there than in what they call the Inaka, which is like countryside. Um, But it's still it's still a new place and a new, you know, thing to counter. So I was actually joining a tour group a few days later. So I was like, no one in this and no, there's no way I can convince anyone to go to Disney with me. So I'm doing it by myself. 
Um, and also based on the research I had done, there was a lot of English in the park, um, which is true as far as signage, menus, and any other printed materials. Um, if you are an English speaker, you really need like, and you're so fine to go to these parks. Um, so the things that like I knew were big for me was I went to Disneyland the first day I was there and Disney Sea the second day I was there the first time I ever went. Um, and it's coming from Walt Disney World. It is there's something so nice about seeing the same castle um, at the end of uh, what they call World Bazaar. Um, so we get Main Street USA, which is really fun. And they have World Bazaar when you walk in. Um, and the main difference, I would say, is the fact that World, World Bazaar has a roof. Uh, it's a really cool glass roof. And then there's this beautiful, it almost looks like a fountain in the middle. Um, and that's where a lot of special events banners are hung. And it's always decorated for the season. And yeah, so also the first time I ever went to Tokyo Disney, which this is my favorite time of the year to go ever to any Disney park, was their Halloween season. So I just like lucked out so much. Um, and it was a really cool mm. experience. And then the next day I went to Disney Sea, um, which was great and cool. And I don't really ride roller coasters, so I did that because um, their kind of flagship ride is a little roller coaster, which is not as scary as it is. So like, I don't even ride Space Mountain um, and I could do Journey to the Center of the Earth. And it was just a really cool, different experience, definitely. Cool. Um, yeah, Halloween is always one of my favorites at Disney parks because it the is, best. it is, yeah, it's so good. And, you know, I, I'm not much of a spoopy person. So this year I went to Universal for the first time. Uh, I would love to work Halloween Horror Nights. It's not something I can see myself enjoying every year <laughs> because of the cost with not going in many of the houses. But there's something really great about the oversized pumpkins and all the fun merchandise and everything that Disney is able to kind of inhabit it at. It's the least hostile version of a spooky totally. time, which is something I love. Um, and which, uh so Oh, sorry. Um, I no, was going to okay. say, USJ is um, Universal Japan. And they also, I ended up there in their Halloween season last year, um, which is in Osaka, Japan. And if you're like a Tokyo Disney human, um, they, it's like a wildly different experience, even with fan culture inside of Japan itself. So I totally, like, if you're a theme park, like, I have to complete them all. I would also go to that during Halloween because they have a bigger kitty land, which I would say, like, echoes the American park kind of happy Halloween thing that you're talking about. Oh, I love that. That's Ooh. awesome. Yeah, I would, yeah, I have I have the the plan the plans to go at some point. But uh, <laughs> like many people, I think they've probably been pushed off by a year or two now mm -hmm. because of everything. Um, so yeah, World Bazaar. I think it's beautiful. If no one has ever looked at it, you need to look up pictures because it's actually like really stunning. Um, and so... Uh, what are some, I'm looking at a map right now and you and I, have, you and I have chatted through this while you were there. So much. We kind of <laughs> talked about the, yeah, the differences and something I was surprised with was kind of how small it looks on a map. And, you know, that's kind of how Disneyland was, but Disneyland is deceptively larger, um, mm -hmm. than, than a map does. And so was this kind of the same way where it looks much more compact than our Magic Kingdom is, um, because they had, I guess, room to expand. Because yeah. it also, it also looks like when they built this, um, it's really interesting to see the kind of L shape that all the resorts are in, the the hotels, and then. But it's just, it's interesting to see that there's 
not a ton of expansion space. And no. there's not a, they seem very locked in, which is weird because they are planning expansions right now. So, um, yeah. yeah. So I guess talk about, um, how the experience of in the size of the park was and just how many like attractions there are. Sure. So, um, actually I have like this wildly unpopular opinion among foreigners. Um, there's only like, I found like one other foreigner who agrees with me and, uh, it, it's that Disneyland I enjoy more than Disney Sea, um, which like lots of Japanese people agree with me, but <laughs> like no foreigners do. And the reason for that is kind of what you've mentioned, which is that there's so much, it's like a deceptively packed park in Disneyland. There's like so much to do. Um, I'm kind of a completionist, uh, which I think we talked about on Isolation Cast, mm-hmm. which is Maddie's other podcast. <laughs> And I still don't think I did everything in that park. Um, And that's partially the wait times of everything. Um, So if you're a Disney World human, uh, and I've never been an annual pass holder, but I have a lot of friends who are, um, we generally kind of repeat park goers in America don't want to wait. Um, We're not willing to. Um, Where I was at, say, like, uh, Jeremy Jason, who's a mutual friend of ours, really smartly uh, noted that, like, waiting a long time is not a big part of the problem here. Like they'll, the population that goes to Disney will do it with their friends and they'll kind of note that like that part of the line waiting is just like a part of the day to hang out. Whereas mm-hmm. a lot of American guests will kind of view it as um, a nuisance on the way to hanging out. Um, so yeah, I thought he put that perfectly. Um, and so like uh, journey to the center of the earth, for example, is that Disney sea kind of flagship attraction and it's, I think, 10 years or so old now. Um, and it still will get a three-hour wait. Like, oh, from yeah. people who have ridden it before. Uh, it, Disneyland in Tokyo is definitely, like, and the, the Disney Resort in general, is definitely full of repeaters in a way that I think Walt Disney World is kind of like a destination park, I would argue, where, yeah, there's a big part of um, people who are return guests, of course. But, like, it's a lot of people coming for these, like, big once-in-a-lifetime or, like, twice-in-a-lifetime trips. Um, whereas I definitely feel that, uh, especially you can tell, uh, Disney in Tokyo has, like, a lot of seasonal events. Um, so that, you know, to kind of keep people coming back who've already been. So, you know, it's a little bit different that way. Um, and the wait times and everything reflect that, too. Interesting. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's one of those... You've got a couple rides now where, like, people won't wait for Flight of Passage, even if they love Flight of Passage, but, like, they'll, they'll, it, I think it's also because our fast passes are digital now. Yes. In a way that, like, you can pick three before you go in, and maybe those are the only three rides you're going to ride because you don't want to wait. Now, if I'm alone, I will wait for things, or I'll keep pulling up the app, but, like, when you're with people, I think it's interesting that, like, when I'm hanging out with people, we'll find rides that we're like, I don't mind waiting X amount of time because mm-hmm. we're just hanging out together. Because really, once you're in an attraction and you're on a ride, you're not hanging out. You were experiencing that attraction. Definitely. Um, and so, like, I remember there was one time that we there were maybe like twenty five of like twenty five people in a showing of Tiki Room, <gasps> and these Love kids that. next to us were talking, and I was like, stop talking. We are literally watching a show. You need to stop talking. They're like, we're (laughs) hanging out. And I was like, okay, I get that. But you're also like experiencing this thing, Um, which I didn't find when I was in Disneyland, which they're 
uh, similar to this idea of it's a lot of hangout culture. People come after 4 p.m. and it's just nice. hang out in the evenings, which Disneyland or Disney World does not have that same thing because it's also like four parks and it's a big drive to property and like getting into places. You can't just w- kind of wander up and decide to hang out. Yeah, um, I think that's really like what you've hit on as well is uh, both of these Disneyland's Tokyo and California it is, you're just able to get there. Like, getting on, and Disney World is working very hard to make sure that you use their transportation in the way that they're implementing overnight parking fees and things like this. Um, They want it to be the destination, which I don't think is a bad thing, but is very different than driving off the highway in California, or literally there's a train station called Maihama, and it's, you walk off the train station, which connects to so there are like a bunch of ways to get to my home lot, but um, one of the most popular is Tokyo Station, which is, you know, like one of the central stations literally yeah. correct, connects directly to my home lot. And um, you literally walk off the platform and you can see the castle and you can see the mountain of Prometheus. Like mm-hmm. it's you. It's so uneffortless to get to this park. <laughs> it's like it's or it is effortless to get to this park. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think it's probably the difference between, um, you know, the idea of um, now correct me if I'm wrong, but most of the res- the hotel resorts that are like right there, like you can see the back of the map, mm-hmm. they're not actually like Disney owned. They're they're like third party hotels that theme to Disney. Am, am I correct by saying that? Um, I'm, I So I'm not sure because what I would say is it's about 50-50. So you've also hit on something earlier, which I wanted to talk about, which was we talked about um, there were rumors for a while that there was going to be a third park called Disney Sky, um, yeah. which is like a really cool idea. Um, but when literally I remember you showed me the, the blueprints, I was like, oh, no, there's hotels there. Um, there's no way that they're knocking down those big streams of revenue for that. Um, and it's exactly that they've kind of built themselves into a corner, um, which is kind of what helps give Disney Sea so much of its charm. Because literally, um, you can smell the ocean as you walk through the park. Mm. Like you, you are you you see other like islands of Japan from there. Like you see the real ocean when you're in this theme park that is kind of very much about the ocean. Um, I love that. It's, yeah, it's a really cool environmental experience um, and really interesting because, you know, Disney is such a fabricated thing and it's next to this real thing, but um, it doesn't detract at all. In fact, I think it totally adds to the experience, which is really nice. Um, yeah, it's like really cool. I, I, I grew to love Disney Sea every time I visit it more and more. Like it was already good. Don't get me wrong, but it was... It's like every time you go back, you just like it's kind of like Epcot that way for a lot of people, mm-hmm. I think, where mm-hmm. the more you go, the more you're like, ah, I will relax into this place. Yeah, the first. Yeah, the first time I went to Epcot because my parents loved Epcot and they had gone three times the three years prior to me going with them because oh. I did not live at home anymore. And so they and my sister, they went five years in a row every summer. Oh my god. And I went the third year with them. My grandmother passed away and they sold her house so I think there was some like revenue there. And this was like 2003, 2004, two, well so 2004, 2005, 2006, 2007 maybe 2008. And so it was one of those where like it, they, the parks were doing okay but it was still a great deal and AAA was still um partners with Disney. Oh my God. That's like how we got all our tickets. It was like the best thing. So we're talking like 
Matt, like 50% discounts on tickets and resorts and the meal plans because my parents are foodies. And so we're part of those people that go to Disney for the food. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like, so I love Epcot now as an adult beyond the being able to get shit faced for, you know, a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> um, but yeah, I had to grow into Epcot, which led to my college program about five, uh, seven years later where I then went, Oh, there were all these things at Epcot that I didn't know about. Like my parents and I didn't even know the ball was a ride. Whoa, like, it's a, that's I, so weird for me. <laughs> and we didn't know that like there was a ride in, in Norway. We didn't know there was a ride in Mexico. Like when I took my parents on the yeah. frozen ride, my mother was like, is this new? And I was like, no, it's been here forever. <laughs> um, really but yeah, I had to grow into Epcot. And so it's really interesting because a lot of Americans are like, oh, Disney Sea is why to go to Tokyo Disney. It is better than any American park. Yeah. And so I do think it's interesting. So, um, so let's talk about... Sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's my bad. I'm like, have this horrible habit. Um, I, oh, it's, yeah. <laughs> you, you and I both do it. So when we do it together, it just, you know, okay. it's. <laughs> exactly. Um, I think, well, the other thing is, so I'm coming from a place where I've never seen regular Disneyland yet. Um, mm-hmm. I really would like mm-hmm. to change that when the world stops ending. Um, and I think uh, like a lot of the rides that I find particularly charming um, are, some rides, some of them, not all of them, but some of them are things you can do in California. Um, so, for example, we don't have the Pinocchio ride in uh, the uh, Walt Disney World Resort. We don't have the Haunted Mansion overlay for the Halloween part of that. Oh, yeah, that. we don't, yes. Um, which is, I I literally, in October, I think I went to Disney four, three or four times, be, and I don't have a pass because I was just like, I love Halloween, give it to me. Um, and like, uh, and they're, they're sh- okay, so they don't have it anymore, but Disneyland used to have a show um, that was their castle projection show, and it ended in before summer, um, because in summer they did their first like castle show in 30 years, which is also a cool factoid. Um, but it was called Celebrate Disneyland. And it was a show where Mickey basically like went on the rides in the park. And so for me, as someone who grew up nostalgic of the idea of like a theme park, it was perfect. Whereas Disney Sea doesn't <laughs> doesn't have that many attractions. Um, Disney Sea is very much about uh, enjoying the experience and like riding your same favorite things again. Um, whereas yeah. Disneyland, I think, gives you more novelty, but. For people who have been to California already, there's less novelty. So that's why they would enjoy this kind of new thing of Disney Sea. Um, I think it's also probably like kind of the same reason why I hear everyone talk about Disneyland, but no one I know talks that much about California Adventure outside of like the whole Tokyo or the whole California Disney Resort. And I'm like, I want to go to this new park. I've never been here. Like, what's this one about? There's nothing I have. So I think it's a little bit that novelty in reverse for most people. Yeah. Well, and we're so used to having four parks because Animal Kingdom has been open over 20 years now. Yeah, basically my life. Yeah. yeah. So for us in Florida, um, which, you know, I think is is interesting and Disneyland is growing. But so let's talk about you say you went three times, which a lot of Americans are going, (laughs) oh, my God, this girl's made of money. Let's talk about the price point in tickets. Yes. So I just looked it up. And if we were to buy a day ticket for next week, even though it's not possible, mm-hmm. um, it would be about $189 to go to both 
California Adventure in Disneyland for one day. Wow, that literally hurts my soul so much because, okay, so this is why I was like so surprised because you're an out, you were an out of state human and to hear that you went to Disney mm-hmm. every year as an out of state person, like literally as, for an American would make my wallet hurt so, yeah. so much just thinking yeah. about it. So in Tokyo, um, tickets, I think ticket prices just changed, but when I went, um, they started around, oh, by the time you do conversion, I think it's like 72. Uh, no, that's wrong. It's like 60 a day. Something like crazy. Like it's a, it's literally half the price of a Walt Disney World ticket. Mm-hmm. And then on a national holiday or weekend, they have the after three ticket, which was $50, I think, once you did conversions. Um, and I, I love Disney because like for me, I don't usually spend that much money once I'm there. Um, mm-hmm. versus like if I'm by myself and I go shopping, I'm going to spend $50 anyway. So I would just yeah. rather go to Disney and like not end up with crap in my house that I don't need. Um, so that was it. And then, um, well, I know one of the reasons I went in October is, um, I, one of my really good friends in Tokyo was this Russian girl named Dosh who'd like never been to Disney ever. And she had ended up with a ticket because it was somebody's birthday and then they got sick and da da da. And I was like, oh, if you're ever going to Disney with anyone, it has to be me. And it has to be now because this is my favorite part of the whole thing. Um, But yeah, so getting an annual pass for Tokyo Disney is a thousand, I think. Um, And the other, like a year and a half ago, they cut. 10 days out of the pass availability. So they gave 10 blackout dates. And because they felt sad that they gave 10 blackout dates, the passes were lowered in cost, which is something that I don't think the American parks would ever do. Um. Uh, No, not at all. Not at all. I'm sure there are pass holders screaming and and wherever you're listening right now. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So generally I found like it was a really good value for my money. Um, You know, there was like, I, it's also funny because um, the reason I also went three times in October is I went like four or five months without going at all. Um, Mm -hmm. So I was like, I guess they can splurge. Um, And their merch is also significantly cheaper by and large, I would say. Um, So a headband in the park is going to cost you. Um, So I have like two of the Terry cloth headbands and I think they were, by the time you do conversions, around $12 or $13 each. Um, their clothing is way more expensive. Like a jacket is going to be $80 to $90 with conversions. Um, but actually I have, hold on, I have, it's so funny. I have a uh, a literally poo exclusive headband like next to my bed. So mm-hmm. let me see if it has a price tag. Um... Oh, okay, it was 1,600 yen. So that comes out to about $15 for like mm-hmm. a headband. That's like the equivalent of ears probably. Well, so they're between 20 for the terry cloth headbands because we just started getting them. And uh, mini ears are $30. And I believe oh the Mickey God. heads, like the hats with the Mickey ears are 25. Oh. So yeah. we are exponentially more. Um, and most of those prices just went up about $3 an item in the last six months, uh, right before Chapek stepped down. Um, all of those items went up and the spirit jerseys went up. But I mean, the spirit jerseys are 70. I spent 89 on a jean jacket last year at Disneyland. Oh. So like, yeah, it's, it's roughly the same prices. Yeah, so. I would say the hats are significantly less, but it's also mm. very much like, 
everywhere you go in Japan that's a tourist um, kind of destination, and this is not just Disney and not just Universal, but, like, you get some kind of souvenir to bring back as mm-hmm. well. Um, so, like, you'll get something for you, like a hat or a bracelet or a fan or something that's related to the region. Um, and then also there is this concept of omiyage that you are supposed to bring home, which um, the Disney parks in Tokyo, I think, do a little cheaper um, than in California or Florida, probably. So omiyage is uh, basically, trans. I think the direct translation is actually souvenir, um, but it means food souvenir by and large. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's individually wrapped things. Sorry, all my zero waste people, but <laughs> individually wrapped um, cookies or crackers or mochi mm-hmm. or um, mm-hmm. there's like the thing in the parks, I think it's called like chocolate crackle or something. It's basically Rice Krispie treats, but yeah, um, it's like kind of their like specialty they push or Tokyo banana, which is a banana shaped cake. Um, that has caramel inside and banana outside. Um, yeah, but you are supposed to bring it back to your workplace. Um, so and and your family or friends as well. Um, but especially your workplace if you've missed work. Um, so to kind of say sorry for putting the burden <laughs> on you. Because um, yeah, especially like yeah. teachers and stuff don't always get substitutes. Um, so it's even after you're sick, you're supposed to bring omiyage into work. Um, so, uh, there's definitely kind of, like, a large variety of cheap-ish themed mm-hmm. food to bring back. Um, like, even my kids, oh my god, one of, so I was a teacher, and I taught from three to 83 is, like, what I always joke, but is also true, and one of my, uh, 13-year-olds went to Universal, and we were, we were really big fans of theme parks in general, so we would talk, like, every week, his, like, extension practice would always be, like, about theme parks, <laughs> um, and so he brought me back some like Snoopy themed cookies and things like that, or Minions themed cookies. Actually, it was yeah. So that's kind of a big thing. Yeah, we um when I worked at, so where I worked at Hollywood Studios for anyone listening, um one of the locations was the Wicked Queen Sweet Spells, which is now gone. <laughs> Villains in Vogue, which is now all a Pixar gift shop, which makes my heart hurt. Same. But something that we sold on property that's still relatively um is the Walker's shortbread. Now that's a British brand, but it's Minnie's shortbread, so they all have Mickey and Minnie stamps oh. on the cookies, and they were two ninety five a box. So that's oh, and that's they were good. also included as a snack credit so um if you were heading home and wanted to get silly disney gifts that didn't cost a ton because generally everything else on property is over eight dollars an item roughly sometimes between five and eight um but uh yeah so a lot of people would use like oh we have 20 snack credits left let's get 20 boxes (laughs) of cookies to give out to people or even if you've got to buy 10 of them at three dollars an item that's much cheaper than like so much better the different and you know the difference now between getting a Disney souvenir and getting a Disney Walmart souvenir. Like you went to the the Walmart mm-hmm. on 192 and got got the the knockoff Disney stuff. But um, oh yes, I uh, um if so it, I it's like less acceptable now in the age of Instagram. But definitely when I was like eight, we went to one of those like very definitely like selling counterfeit items of things oh, that yeah. we did oh, not yeah. know and bought like 14 T-shirts for like. Two bucks or something stupid. Well, and now everybody's doing it now. That everybody with a cricket machine and some Joanne's vinyl doing their own Disney (laughs) shirts now, which cost you just as much as a Disney T-shirt. But like this was something I found when I worked for the Araka Group in New York, and we had Wicked the Musical. We also did um, merchandise for uh, Wicked Tokyo, and. 
the sense we found the sensibility was much different. And so we did a lot mm-hmm. of non clothing items for that show. And yes. so we did specialty. We did tins with cookies inside. So that idea of, if you're going to see the show, you get the tin, but then there are wicked cookies or specialty umbrellas and tote bags and pins and, uh, uh you know, um, writing pens that had a flashlight on the back that did yes. the wicked logo and all these things that we would never do for Broadway. Mm. Cause everybody wants that $40 t-shirt for Broadway. Broadway, but in Japan, they wanted much more tangible items that you could carry every day or do these specialty items that were more expensive, but people were buying them in droves because of that, that idea of the souvenir. Um, yeah. So souvenir culture is really important, which, um, if you're a collector of any kind, it's not probably a surprise as a lot of, especially Disney items or like, uh, anime focused items come out of the Japanese market or mm -hmm. the Asian market in general. Um, but yeah, definitely the sensibility about it is a little different. Um, I'd say, so two things I wanted to say based on that was I'm so surprised to hear that pins did well for Wicked because I both believe it and there is virtually no pin trading that I saw at either of the Tokyo Disney resorts. So this yeah. is like so fascinating to me. Well, no, you're good. Well, and also something we haven't touched on is that it's different and it always shocks me now because we are getting an influx of the Japanese items into the American parks or specifically Shop Disney. Mm -hmm. uh, part of, like there was just a huge flush on Shop Disney a, a week or two ago of Year of the Mouse things and the Sakura yes. Festival things. And part of me thinks it's because all the markets are closed and the only market open is Shop Disney. And so, but something we haven't touched on is that Walt Disney, like the Disney Corporation doesn't actually have full ownership of Disneyland Tokyo. Correct. So Disneyland Tokyo is the, is the only resort currently, I believe, that is owned by OLC, which is the Oriental Land Company. Um, however, uh, Shanghai and Hong Kong have... Uh, specific arrangements with their respective governments um, that kind of do give relative ownership over their buildings and their abilities, um, whereas OLC is not related to the Japanese government. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's why if you're a Disney cast member going over, your discounts or main gates do not work at Disney Tokyo. Yeah. Um, and like the main gates don't work at Shanghai or Hong Kong, but we do get a discount there. We did. I don't know how it still is uh, being new to the company. But, um, but and a lot of that also affects how the merchandise is developed because they're responsible for Duffy and Duffy's friends, <laughs> yes. which is something... Something that just didn't work here in the States no. for some reason. And I don't, I don't get it. But for anyone who, out there who does not know, um, they developed this teddy bear to sell who is Mickey's teddy bear. And if you look at Duffy's face, um, his face is a Mickey head. It is a hidden Mickey. So his eyes and his snout form a Mickey Mouse face. And he did so well that they even gave him a girlfriend named Shelly Mae. Mm -hmm. And they brought Duffy over. Over to America and when I went to the UK the first time they had a Duffy store that was they had a oh Disney store that was just a Duffy store um, it was in Camden Garden and so I was shocked that was the first time I saw Duffy and then I worked at Duff I, I worked at Disney literally the next like the next summer and Duffy was everywhere at that point and so you could buy the clothing for him but it was more expensive than a Build-A-Bear yes um, and you could get them in different sizes but since then they've also developed friends for Duffy um, uh, who are my personal favorite Gelatoni the Italian cat Hell I love yeah. him so much he's a painter 
He is a painter. And then Stella Lou, the bunny, and Cookie, the cute cocker spaniel dog. Yes. Who is a chef, and Olu, who mm. is a turtle for the Alani Resort, which uh, uh, apparently they have a lot of... Uh, Asian tourist going there, so it made sense. And so Duffy and Friends are hugely popular at the Shanghai Resort as well as the Hong Kong Resort. Yes, Um, um, my hat for Duffy is actually from Shanghai because I got to go for one day. Um, And yeah, so the Asian parks have a wildly different relationship with Duffy. Um, And a lot of, I think, people who like Disney Sea also like it because that's the home of Duffy. Um, And one time, you know, like I've I've been enough that I've done a lot of the restaurants. So one time uh, I finally did the restaurant where you can see like Duffy's backstory. Um, It's a live show. It's in Cape Cod. And oh my God, like after I did that, I was like, okay, he's so charming. Like I a little bit get it more. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I didn't realize they, I didn't know. I didn't realize he had like a American girl style show. I love that. Oh yes, he does. And also, okay. The reason that I actually love Duffy is because, okay, he's a tiny bear. You would think this would be a very simple thing. Um, Duffy has retconned backstory. He has like three different origins that have been retconned by the Walt Disney or the Disney company at different points. Um, oh my God. Yeah, I'm like deep into Duffy lore, which is the, that's a brand new sentence. Um, that is the weirdest <laughs> sentence I've literally ever heard in my life. It's great. Um, I definitely <laughs> don't have too much. Oh, please. I definitely don't have too much time on my hands or anything. Um, but, oh my God. So yeah, so the current accepted backstory is that Minnie made Duffy for Mickey, who was a sea captain at the time, which is how he ties into the Disney Sea Resort. And then mm. Duffy was like lonely and sad one day. So they made him Shelly Mae out of a shell that they found. Um, Gelatoni, they literally like found on a boat and he was like being mischievous. Um, I don't, I don't speak good Japanese. Uh, in fact, now not being in Japan, I would heart, I would probably say I don't speak any at all. Um, I can still listen a little bit, but when I was there, it was much stronger. So I was able to catch like a little bit more. Um, mm. Stella Lou is the ballerina bunny. Um, and th- so they all have like different things. So Duffy is like, basically like, uh, the love of your family and friends like you know it's your teddy bear and then Shelly Mae is very much like ah we love and then Gelatoni is like creative and then um Stella Lou I think hers is like about dreaming because okay so that was like the one that I really don't know at all about anything (laughs) um but she's a ballerina and there's always like dream imagery with her and then mm-hmm. Cookie Ann is the like kind of latest to the lineup, I think. And she used mm-hmm. to be a Hong Kong exclusive. Um, and then she came to Tokyo at, like literally in January. So an- yeah. uh, all of my students that love Disney, like, and I got along really well. So I remember one day, like my eight-year-old student named Chihiro, I love him so much. He literally came up to me and he was like, Cookie Ann is coming to Tokyo Disney. And I was like, when? Um, it was just my favorite conversation. Um, and so that, and Aulani has, um, oh, I can't say his name, but you nailed it earlier. Yaolu. Yes. Um, I'm working on my pronunciation. Um <laughs> And part of that is also the collector mentality that usually comes with the Asian parks merchandise. Um, so even so, blind boxes are really popular there, um, where you'll get like a blind keychain out of eight. But even then, you can always buy the whole set for like guaranteed. Oh, cool! Yeah, and it, it is a little more expensive, I think. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, like 
if you're a reseller or you have all your friends and because this is another big important thing a lot of the keychain sets or notebook sets are sold in packs of four or six or eight um, because the idea being that you and all your friends have like the same thing in a different color um again kind of hearkening back to that idea of omiyage but at the school level um Mm -hmm. So that's that's part of it. And then part of it is also that Duffy's stuff, uh, they make a lot of like household goods for him. In fact, they make a lot of household goods as merchandise in general in those parks because um, it's kind of it's not seen as so childish um, to have this thing in your house necessarily. Definitely, if your whole house is covered with it, that's not what I would say any Japanese house I've been to ever looks like. Um, but you know, even in, uh, I went to a student's house for dinner. She was really kind and invited me over and, um, you know, there's cutesy touches here and there that are in some American homes, but not in all American homes. Yeah. I love that. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's so interesting cause I ordered a, I will admit she was bootleg, <laughs> but I ordered one of the, the big gelatoni head bags. So they've got uh. the little ones that are the pass holders and that you can just literally put your pass on your phone in. They've got the one that's a little bit bigger. It's like a person and I bought the biggest one. That's like, uh, it's, you know, it's a, it's a messenger style bag, but it's just the big head. I took a set of pictures with it and then sold it to a friend. Um, uh. But yeah, it was so cute and they are, they're really darling and they have different size plush and they're the one thing that like is expensive and they have a huge resale value in America. Mm -hmm. Like so many people will go there and then sell them at a huge profit here. Also they're, oh, the popcorn containers. (gasps) Okay. They do the best popcorn containers as well. This is my, so the two things that I really, I was actually addicted to merchandise for was every single time I went to the parks, I got a new headband or hat or something. Even if I liked what I was already wearing, I had to get a new one. And -hmm. then I think I brought back four popcorn containers. So one of them though was at a resale shop for like Mm -hmm. $13. And it was the Disney, it was like, you had to buy like a resort package to get it. Oh, it was the suitcase. Yes. It's this orange oh, I love gorgeous the suitcase. suitcase. Yes. And they don't make yes. it anymore. And it was Mm-mm. from the like I, I the first time I went to Tokyo was in 2018, I think. And it was from then. And I kept like begging them. I was like, how do I buy this? Because I love travel themed things and I love Mickey themed things. Um, and they were like, You cannot. And I was like, how can I buy this? And they were like, no, you really can't. And then I was like, ah, all right, okay. And so when I saw it in this retail shop called Mandrake, I had to have it. And then next to it was like a slightly damaged Duffy, but it was only $13. And those Duffy dolls are normally $43 in Japan. So I almost Uh, bought it for resale, but I had like no more. I already had no room in my suitcase, but you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, I want one of the giant gelatonis so bad. Like I know, I know when I go, it's what I will be purchasing. Like I have a list of stuff that I already know in advance that I'm going (laughs) to get. Um, Those giant gelatonis, I think, are like almost $200. Well, I'm not the giant, giant one. I want the one that's like maybe 14 inches, 13 inches. Oh, okay, okay. So I think that's like 55 or something, yeah. 60. They do um, make okay. a giant plush for my the like people who've never been there. It's like literally, I think it's like three quarters of a human size. It's- <gasps> yes, it is. It is three feet tall. They are, they are huge. <laughs> so scary. So Hannah, so everyone at home, I I know is jonesing right now for us to talk about attractions. So yes. let's get in. Well, I want to talk about attractions, and then we're going to talk about entertainment because their entertainment there is different as well. 
Um, so what were so let's uh, you're walking into Disneyland for your first time um, or your last time. I would like you to kind of compare and think about those. What are some of the standout attractions, even if they're similar to what we have here in the States? What were some of your standout attractions and why? Sure. So should we go park by park or you want me to just Yeah, jump? let's do let's do Disneyland first and then we'll move over to Tokyo Sea. OK, so they're they're OK. I feel like people are going to laugh, but I love Peter Pan. I will wait at the Walt Disney World Park. And there, Peter Pan has LEDs. Um, and, like, there's this moment where in their Peter Pan, it's the same track as the American one. The Shanghai one is different, and I do encourage people to check that out if they're they if they are the kind of person who likes to watch ride recordings. I just sent it to Matt the other day, and I know he loved it. Oh yeah, it, well I'll put it. You know I'll put it on the Facebook when this episode comes out on Friday. Oh my so. god, amazing! Um, but it's just like there's something about the LEDs. There's like this one moment where you swoop into the stars, and every single time I've ridden it. I, it literally takes my breath away. I don't know. I love it. Um, their small world has the Disney characters. So if you're oh, into that, yeah, then it's cute. Um, I love the Roger Rabbit spin, which is apparently in California, <gasps> but I'd yes, never Yes, it is. It's so much fun. It's, it's so, so much fun. I wrote it five times in one day when I was in Disneyland. It's, it is so much fun. It has so much rewritability. It's fun. It's goofy. I It has like a lot of that energy that I just enjoy. Um, I would say like, this is not an attraction necessarily, but the the photo taking opportunities like literally they mm -hmm. have photo spots all over the park and things like this um those are like really cool and i would say they don't like they don't have fast pass photographers so it's a different experience um but that's definitely something i would note about those parks in general um they even have in <laughs> this is maybe jumping a little bit but in disney sea they have different pedestals that you can kind of like make them lay down so that you can pose your duffy as the photo spot um, oh, cute. That's really cute. Yeah. So I think that um, photo taking and photo sharing culture is bigger over there. Mm -hmm. In fact, oh, I'm... much, 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 much. Yeah. I'm still... If you know what Disney bounding is, the Disney bounding culture in Japan, ooh, 10 out of... 11 out of 10, honestly. So good. Um, and I can send you some of my favorites uh, later because um, I don't know the Instagram names. Um but uh, that uh, Disneyland, Disneyland. Um, oh, uh, hearing uh, anything Mickey says at all in Japanese is fun. Uh, so like, Phil, her magic's cute. Um, gosh, now I'm forgetting everything I ever have known and trying to remember what's in what's <laughs> park. So let me pull up a map myself. Yeah, you're good. Well, it is. It does sound like it is a beautiful amalgamation of Disneyland and some Disney World aspects of when it comes to like Fantasyland and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but you said they also have Star Tours there. Yes. Yes, correct? they do. They, okay. Which I've, funnily enough, only ever written in Japanese. Um, uh, oh, their Buzz. Oh, Shanghai's Buzz Lightyear Space Spin is like amazing. But the one here is the same as. Um, Florida. So a lot of those attractions that maybe have different versions in Disneyland and Disney World are usually the Disney World one, um, except for Pirates, I know, is the Disneyland. Um, Which is the better version. It was fight like... Me. Anyone fight me. Crazy. I like, and it's long. It's much longer. So like long. I was my first. It was one of the first things. It might have been the first thing. You know what? It was the first thing I wrote at Disneyland. It was seven thirty in the morning. Oh my gosh! And I had well, they do really early magic hours. They start I at like six forty-five. Oh, it was well. It was the perfect day to go because it was a Friday, and like I 
No, it was a Saturday. I flew in on a Friday. It was a Saturday. And so like I couldn't sleep. I went to, I was like, well, it's 630. Guess I can walk over to Disneyland, which it's a 10 minute walk from your resort. You can walk from your resort. That's and so it was a great. non-Disney resort. Yeah. Oh, that, because that's the thing is Disneyland culture is just being able to walk up. Um, uh, we're not going to talk about Mickey and Friends, the parking garage. We will. Uh, uh, you can go over to Podcast the Ride, and they do two two-hour episodes about the new Mickey and Friends parking lot. Really? Um, parking oh my garages. God. Yes, because it's that. parking garage structures. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. And so I was not prepared for it. I was still a little groggy. I had literally flown into LAX at 1230 in the morning. <laughs> so we're talking no sleep. I am in it to win it. I'm in Doc Martens. Dress cute. We are there. And yeah, it's like a 12, 13 minute ride. I was like, I, yeah. 15, it was almost 15 minutes. I was like, it's a I'm good chunk for this. It's a good, it's a good ride though. Yes. Um, oh, I, okay. So I went on their website. So first of all, Monsters Inc. Ride and Sake. So good. 10 out of 10. Highly recommend a fast pass for this attraction. So cute. Um, you get a little flashlight and you, as you shine on the M's that are on the different characters' hats, they uh, the animatronics move based on your flashlight um, and getting dinged. Um, so it's a really cool interactive thing. Oh my god, and then my favorite ride in literally all of Disney parks, I can't believe I didn't say this earlier, is Pooh's Honey Hunt. It is the most beautiful trackless best oh my god there are like four or five different versions that you ride and you don't know which one you're getting and that's awesome i squeal with delight every time i oh so cute i love that um great so let's talk disney c mm-hmm. uh let's talk about that so something you and i have also talked about before is you said there is um, a convenience to the spoken wheel um design of all of disney parks can you talk about what that spoken wheel is and then how that's how Disney Sea is the opposite of <laughs> Yes. Of the okay, so wheel. that's where we talked about this before. So um sorry, but okay, so basically if you look at a map of Disney World, and by that I mean usually the best example is gonna be Magic Kingdom. Uh the park is shaped in a circle. But you walk in to this kind of center circle. So it's kind of two concentric circles. And then to get from any land to the other, you can walk around your choice of the two circles. Um, So you can make a straight line to go pretty much anywhere in the park. Um, With the exception of, I think that area that has Splash Mountain is the only area where you cannot connect to like two lands at once. Because it was added later. And Mm -hmm. so, so you know, it's not, you know, it's... Doesn't fit in the it's, same it's weird. way. It's weird. Yeah, it's it's a little. She's a little bump. Yeah, but generally, this makes it pretty easy to navigate the parks. Um, you're walk if, if you walk in a straight line, the two options you have are you're going to change lands or you're going to hit like the literal end of the thing, um, and that's it. And it's very hard to walk in a complete circle at Magic Kingdom. I would say. Um, yeah. Disney Sea is made up of circles around circles. <laughs> Um, so what I mean by that is there's, uh, the mountain in the middle and there's, uh, Puerto Paradise, I think is what it's called. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I know that's the song that from the new, the new, um, <laughs> different, uh, Halloween show. So that's the only reason I know that. Um, but you walk in and then it kind of each area 
is connected almost like as if you were doing Venn diagrams and then the mountain is kind of a center circle. So it almost looks like a flower, I would guess is like kind of mm-hmm. how I would say. Um, but this makes you, and this is why Tokyo Disney Sea is good and bad, but it does tend to get you lost and walking around the same area again and again. In my experience, um, it's not really like the only thing you can consistently see everywhere you go is the Prometheus Mountain. Um, I would say, which is kind of cool, like that we're doing this trickery of sight, which is something I really enjoy about the design of the parks. But because we're not able to walk in straight lines all the time gets really confusing. Um, And I think like, oh God, like I posted a picture because I remember like I walked like over 20,000 steps the first time I went there um, back in 2018 because I was just so confused that I kept walking in circles and then like the next day I did not move out of my bed until they forced me out of the hotel. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it is is gorgeous, but it is so much more confusing in my opinion. Um, And, you know, that's part of the charm of the park actually is that you're like... Mm -hmm. Um, like, one of the areas is the Indiana Jones area, which is so good. Oh, my God. We are so deprived in Florida of not having that coaster ride attraction moment. It is so cool. And the one in Tokyo is themed very seriously, um, where I've heard, like, the one in California is a little more goofy. Um, so it's, like, oh, one of my favorite attractions ever of all time also. Um, but... You know, so you're supposed to feel, like, lost and adventuring through the park. And then, like, I want to find a bathroom, and I can't. Um, And that makes me a little annoyed. Um, Or uh, Tokyo Disney has, like, a really big snack culture, and a lot of them are limited time only. And they come out of these really tiny booths, and I can't find the booth. And so I have to ask, um, like, a cast member eight times, like, where is this? Um, But it's still really cool. It just does make it a little bit harder to navigate than the spoken wheel that we find at other parks. So let's talk attractions. So I believe I am not speaking of turn when Disney sea is the only Disney park that still has a 20,000 leagues under the sea attraction. Yes. I'm nine. I think I so. Believe. I think so. Yeah. But it is different than any of the other ones that have existed, especially the two, one that is the now the the Nemo ride at Disneyland, which was never 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, um, and 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, which is now um, Seven Dwarves Mind Train. Yeah, that's so at, weird and, to and, think about. And the Pooh area at Disney World. So um, were, did you ride both? You rode both Journey to the Center of the Earth and 20,000 Yes, yeah, so this is um, the Jules Verne-themed part, um, and I'm trying to find... So they... So obviously, you know, we go to Disneyland and there's lands, um, but this is all ports um, because it's themed to the ocean. Um, so I'm trying to find out what this port is called. I think it's like Port of Miss Miss. No, that might be wrong. Anyway, it's the Jules Verne themed land. I'm a very bad fan. I'm sorry. Um, you'll you'll know it because it's the volcano in the middle of the exactly. Park. You literally go into the volcano. It's so cool. Would recommend. Um, so this one is Jules Verne themed, and you go underneath. And um, so I went with my friends who are visiting from America and uh, my friend Bree's boyfriend Hunter said it really smartly in that like this ride is very much like um, we go exploring, something goes wrong and then like something saves us and we exit. And that's kind of like the theme of a lot of rides in Disney Sea is what he pointed out. Um, but it's like amazing. Uh, you go in and then you see all these things and then you get attacked by this giant squid that vibrates and electrocutes your ship 
or your submarine, um, and then you kind of descend further into the depths, and you end up in this kind of almost alien world, um, and then they use their, like, magical crystals to repair your ship and send you up. And uh, even if you don't speak Japanese, you there are, like, a few words that are the same in Japanese and English about, like, danger and alert. Um, so you, you're able to catch what the meaning is. Um, you don't need to, like, do, do research to go to this park to understand, um, I feel like, is the important thing to say. You'll still be able to catch the meaning of all the stories. Uh, you might miss, like, a point here or there. Um, the only thing I would say that I wouldn't recommend English speakers do, and they're really good about being like, you need Japanese to get this, is there's kind of, like, an adventure quest moment that's not a real ride. Um, that involves SEA, which for Disney humans is the Society of Explorers and Adventurers. Um, and that's currently only offered in Japanese. So, but it's like, they, they're really good about it. Um, and that's right next to this as well. But it's really cool and different. And Journey, you go up into Mount Prometheus, well, you go down into Mount Prometheus um, in their, I think they're called like excavators or something. It's like the opposite of an elevator. Um, and then you are like digging to the center of the earth and you see all these cool things that we like go to. Like we see this cool gem area and we see all these like interesting creatures. And then we like keep digging, even though maybe we're not supposed to. And we see these like, oh, that looks like eggs. And then we're like, we should turn around, but we don't. And then we see this giant, amazing lava monster. And then he gets mad at us. So we get quote unquote launched out of the volcano and we have to go tell everybody. Um, and there's literally one launch and one drop, and it's not it's not that intense. Um, uh, but it does. It's a really cool blend of a dark ride and a coaster element. Um, and then you are back at the surface, and it's yeah. Yeah, I've heard it's combined. It's it's a little more intense than like the Indiana Jones or um, the dinosaur ride, which are essentially the mm -hmm. same ride building and vehicle. That it's similar to that, just the drops a little more and the the launch is a little heavier. Yeah, um, definitely agree. But but it's one that I even think I would be okay riding. Like, I'm, and yeah. I'm a I'm a weenie, but like I think I would be I think I'd be okay doing. Um, so you know, and those are the big centerpieces. You talked earlier about how they typically can have a three hour wait. Um, what are some of your other attraction-based things that you really liked at Disney? Disney yeah, City? so obviously I'm a giant fan of the Indiana Jones ride there. It is so beautifully themed, so beautifully built. The story is really interesting. Um, and the music does a really good job of guiding you, even when you can't understand Japanese Harrison Ford, who is in the ride speaking Japanese. Um, it's great. Um, and um, one of my favorites is Sinbad's Storybook Adventure, uh, which Alan Menken wrote brand new music for this ride. It's so mm -hmm. cool. It's so amazing. It's like, it's kind of like people like to compare it to Small World, but it's like if Small World and Pirates had a baby, I guess, would be the, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. most accurate thing. Um, but N Nemo Sea Rider is one of my favorite attractions on that property. It's so cute. Uh, it's very similarly built to Star Tour. It's the same engine as Star Tours, I think. Um, but it's Nemo! <laughs> and you, like, go on these adventures. And it's another one where you have, like, four or five different things, I think, that you can get stuck yeah. on. Yeah, and the... 
It's just so cute. <laughs> so, yeah, that's really interesting. And most people at home are going, wait, 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 Alan Macon, wait, what are with these Disney properties? If Disney, you know, if, if Disney doesn't own the park, the really interesting thing, which you can see in the Imagineering story on Netflix, is that actually it's still all Imagineer designed. It's Imagineer created. But what happens is they have way more money and they typically don't pull the budgets the way the U.S. parks do because they're looking for for them, the return revenue is continuing to get people back and having rides that are the best. Where here, we're looking at the best ride we can do if we can continue to gut the budget. So, um, it's, you know, so you've got Joe Rohde, you've got all these amazing Imagineers who have built some of your favorite things that all got to go and do Disney Sea. And it was this amazing experience because they weren't told that any, you know, the blue sky process for them lasts a lot longer because the Oriental Company, uh, or, or, Oriental or Land Oriental, Company, Oriental Land Company, thank you. I was about to call them Oriental Amusement Company, but that is not correct. Um, but they are willing to invest the money and not cut the money, which I think is, it's, you know, it's a big difference when, you know, we see what, you know, what's happening between the two, but they talk about how much they loved getting to work on those, those attractions mm. and getting to, you know, do it, you know, get to take pirates over, but like being able to buff out the money and use a little, blow a little more money. Into the process. Yeah. So, um, that's such an interesting point you raised too. So actually one of the biggest draws for kind of the repeat crowd, there is the festivals that happen or the like mm -hmm. seasonal events. Um, so they have, you know, big festivals like Easter, Halloween. Uh, there's always something for the summer. Last year it was pirate summer, um, where Jack, Captain Jack was like in the middle of the whole thing. Um, and it was like this really big news before everything went crazy that because, well, the guess was because of 2020 Olympics, we were not having Easter for like the first time in I don't know how long um, because they were expecting such a swell in guests from the planned 2020 Olympics. And they have two planned expansions that are happening in either park that are major. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, in Disneyland, they're planning, I don't know when anything is going to be timed now, but they yeah. were planning to open this gorgeous looking bell area, which right as I was leaving my last time to ever visit, you could see the castle building. Oh my God. It literally made me want to stay in, in Japan another year just to ride this attraction. And oh, it's beautiful. If you all have the opportunity on YouTube, go look it up. The animatronics and the ride vehicles are incredible. Yeah. I can't wait for it to open. And um, they're also opening the Baymax Happy Ride, which is such a cute name. Mm -hmm. Baymax, of course, is a really big thing over there, um, as is Big Hero 6 in general, um, which is based on San Fran, Tokyo, which is half Tokyo, half San Francisco. Um, but that is, um, if you've been on uh, the new alien, like, whippy ride that's in the Toy Story Land in Hollywood Studios, it's the same thing. But Baymax is pulling you. Um, but that I can imagine doing really well with like the kinds of people I know who go to that park. Yeah. Um, and then in Disney Sea, they just opened Soar in there, which I did not ride because literally I I I rope dropped one day and ran to go get a paper fast pass and I couldn't get one and I literally ran my butt there at rope drop. Um, <laughs> they ran out already. So yeah, because just as I was there, they were starting to roll out digital fast pass, but you couldn't get it mm. until you were like the park was open, I think. Right. Disneyland does the same thing. Yeah. It's a really interesting system compared from coming from like a, we went from paper to Disney or what is it? Fast pass plus. 
Um, my, yeah, the my Disney experience. Yeah, which I actually really love, but I do understand the criticisms from people that like... Oh, yeah. Oh, you don't. Yeah. You shouldn't have to research your vacation, especially like a Disney vacation. So I understand both sides of that, um, but I love it because it, it works really well for me. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, but so I couldn't get one, and I wasn't gonna wait three hours for Soren. When my last experience with Soren was like right when it opened, I think I was like I don't know ten or something. And I hate heights, but we were like, yeah, let's try it. And I literally screamed through Soren. I was like crying hysterically through Soren as a child. So I was like, I'm not waiting three hours for this in Japanese. Um, but right after that area is gonna be like a Peter Pan area and things like that, which looks really cool. And Frozen and Tangled. Yes. Yes. Yep. Uh, launching in 20... Uh, uh, the new Fantasy Springs port, which will be opening in 2022, according to the uh, one of the Park Insider posts. Oh, cool. So we'll see. Now, now I'm wondering how that's going to be affected now that um, uh, the Olympics are actually taking place in 2021. Yeah. Um, so we shall see. But if it's anything like this concept art, I'm going to scream because it looks so beautiful. Yeah. It it, just, it looks so cool. I definitely would say if that's a goal of yours and you're planning to go to Disney soon, I would say I would definitely say wait until it's open. Absolutely, but I would also say um, unless you have a, a, a really good amount of patience, and a, and I would say and like the, uh, not only like the patience of a theme park, but the patience to do things in another language. Uh, I would not go immediately after opening for a little while. Oh yeah, uh, give it some yeah. time. Yeah, because that that I love, I love like the Disney fans that I've met in Japan. They're really cool, um, but they do have a dedication that I just don't have um, <laughs> to waiting in line and like dealing with that. And I just I, I I'd rather enjoy my experience. Um, like if I'm working somewhere, of course I have like you know good dedication. But if I'm on vacation mode, I would like to be on vacation mode. <laughs> Well, especially because I, um, uh, especially when I, I'm like, you know, this is going to be, you know, it's a wait. And I'm like, well, I need it. That might also be one where if you're maybe going to only go for two days, maybe plan three or four yeah. days, because then if you know you're going to wait a good portion of your two days in Disney Sea, you know that you can wait for them. Um, apparently, there's also a hotel coming. That's the new entrance. Uh, it's going to be a secondary entrance to Disney Sea, um, but it'll be the first one that's like tied into the park. That's so cool. So yeah, Miracosta is actually in the park, um, which is the hotel there. Mm -hmm. And if you are a hotel guest, um, you can have like a park view room, uh, which is really cool. And I've seen, I always see people. So there's all the shows are on the lagoon. They don't have any parades um, in the traditional way in mm -hmm. Disney Sea. They're all on this like kind of central lagoon um and you can literally just sit in your hotel room and watch the shows all day I love yeah that. i love that so much so did you get to see phantasmic oh it's my favorite i love it so much okay so let's talk about it it's actually wool it is forever closed um so it <laughs> is done but they did they did film it um professionally disney themselves filmed it and has released it for posterity so you can go right now online and see the incredible 360 filming mm -hmm. of phantasmic now it is my understanding that it is happens in 360 right yes. like it's in the middle of the lagoon and it happened you audience it's on all sides talk us through it just a sure little. so um phantasmic here just like all the other shows has to deal with this lagoon structure which means that literally you can 
line up anywhere basically uh, around this this circle lake kind of situation um and i will say different shows because i've seen so i've seen seasonal shows there i've seen phantasmic there obviously and i've seen like the kind of more permanent parade there as well um which is based on dreaming up and like the 35th anniversary parade um concept which is beautiful the boats are gorgeous but you know definitely for some of those seasonal events um they deal with the space a different way um based on their timing and things like that um and the the parades there are the water parades there are also very much meant to be taken pictures of so every time after a song ends we hold for an extended period so that we can take a picture with a certain background and that kind of thing um, but because of this, if you, I would say, if you sit on the like front half of the lagoon, it's such a bad thing to say front half because it's a circle. But if you sit on the side where there's an entrance the, into the direct park, you get a good view all the time, I would say. Um, but as a result, all of these boats are like, you'll have a central figure usually boat. And then you'll have like all the other boats are traveling around waving at you and saying things and uh, doing cool stuff with you so that you can get uh, something um, so that you no matter where you go you do get something the music is always loud enough there you know Disney is like a genius at hiding speakers in things um, so you will always get a good understanding of the music and plot um, and then on top of that there's a big stage uh, in the like where 12 o'clock is that's how I should explain this <laughs> there's a big stage where 12 or six o'clock is there's a big there and then there are dancers between like nine and three at smaller stages gathered that are always in costume and like they oh the costumes there are oh my god to die for mm-hmm. um but mm-hmm. so that like no matter where you are you are getting part of this experience and cool thing and then they do like rivers of light have like not fast pass seating but like reserved seating if you bought like a a dinner or like uh, i think if you're a hotel guest maybe you get it i'm not i never really figured that out yeah. So, That's awesome. yeah, it's really cool. Um, and so I would encourage everyone to go watch that Fantasmic. Now there's a lot of video. There's a pirate show. So there's a lot to watch. Now, it is my understanding there's a lot more live entertainment there. And depending on what's available, the day actually dictates the park ticket. Like, there, it's more expensive on days when a lot of entertainment is happening. And there are some shows that, like, you have to get there in the morning to get in line or you won't get to see the show. So I don't believe about the park ticket prices varying. I think at the current time they are not doing a seasonal model. I think there was some talk about a seasonal model, but I don't I don't believe it's been implemented um, by the time I left, at least. Um, however, you're right about the seeing the shows. Okay, so seeing a show in Disney, and this is land or sea in Tokyo, goes like this. Um, there are a center amount of performances during the day, and the first performance is general admission. And the rest of the performances, you must win the quote-unquote lottery to go in. Um, so you can do this at any time during the day. You literally just scan your park ticket or pass, um, and you click the time that you think you might win, and you make sure that everybody is scanned in at the same time, and bing, bang, boom, they tell you instantly whether or not you have won or lost. And then based on that, you can also, you know, like, um, there's a big band shell show in Disneyland, so that one doesn't usually fill up, so you could walk into that one. Um, whereas uh, the show I wanted to see in Disney Sea, but literally never won and literally could never like even get considered for standby, uh, only has about a hundred seats in that auditorium. So, oh my god, yeah. So you're not getting in if you don't win. Um, 
Holy yeah, shit. and it was a brand new show like a month before I left. So that's also part of the reason is I only went like twice and I was like, or two months before I left. So I only went like twice and I just didn't get it. Um, but yeah, so it's it's really going to vary. But you, it, I would say like that's the one thing about the, the Tokyo parks where you kind of do need to plan a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. What what were what were some of your favorite shows that you saw? Because none of their shows there, even their Phantasmic is so different. Yeah. So what are what are what are some of your favorite entertainment experiences that you had? You sure. So um, they have a lot more streetmosphere. I think this one is called right the walk around entertainment. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. They have yes. a lot more walk around entertainment, especially in Disney Sea. Like there's not that many attractions, so you kind of need it. Um, and it does also very much contribute to we talked about this on Isolation Cast, but this idea of like oh. You have a novel experience you weren't expecting, which is a really cool, nice thing. Um, but as far as planned entertainment, although the streetmosphere is really cool, actually, like, everyone go look up, like, the janitors at, at uh, Tokyo Disney Sea. They're amazing, and I, like, I love them. They're so cool. Um, and uh, But of planned entertainment, Fantasmic is, of course, gorgeous. Um, celebrate Tokyo Disneyland used to be I, I mean it still kind of is my favorite show um, but it doesn't exist anymore that's that castle projection show where Mickey goes on the rides <laughs> I loved it um, Dreaming Up is I think the best parade ever of all time um, I loved it so much um, there are two editions of it uh, so Tokyo uh, had a they called it like a, the finale I think uh, edition the grand finale, something like this, um, which was kind of an abridged version. I recommend people check out the big one. Um, the floats are gorgeous. The music is gorgeous. I like sing it all the time. Um, that might also, I think the name is Dreaming Up. If not, that's like the main lyric, so you'll find it. Um, same for the Harbor version parade that's in Disney Sea. This was like the 35th anniversary, just had beautiful costumes and everything, and I just loved it. Um, it very much feels like a sister parade to Festival of Fantasy, if you're into that. Mm, I love yeah, it's fantasy. my favorite stateside thing. Um, Fantasmic, this. Uh, the old show was, like, really not popular that was in Disney Sea that I saw the first time I was ever there, which was, like, it's called Sh- Into Shadow. Into, Into Shadowland, maybe, I think was. I think. I think that's what it was. Um, and it was really cool, but really not like traditional Disney. There were no IP characters. Um, it was totally original and involved a lot of projection and was really interesting. Um, Boo to You is the holiday, uh, the Halloween parade that they've had for so yep. many years. And it's amazing. It's so good. Um, the I So I've seen two ho- different Halloween shows in Disney Sea because they launched a new one in 2019. The old one had like all the villains it's called um, Villain Something, and it was Villains Unleashed. That's what it was. And I tried really hard to get a copy of it, but it's really difficult and really expensive to get a copy of it, so I didn't. But it was really cool. If you're like a big fan of like what we do now in the parks with the villain days and nights and everything like that, um, and the new one is called like um, Mystic something and the music in it is really interesting and very much reminds me of Ursula, even though there's no Ursula on that in that event but all of the halloween stuff is so good um the easter stuff was really short the pirate summer stuff was really short um but if you're like a big fan of pirates then obviously that's really cool 
And um, the Easter characters are called Usapio, um, is one of the two mm-hmm. characters. And this is actually like a play on words in Japanese. So they're kind of like a chicken-rabbit hybrid. And that's because uh, Usagi, it means rabbit in Japanese, so Usa. Mm-hmm. And then Pyo is like the sound a chicken makes, like a, a baby chicken. So Usapio is like rabbit chicken sound. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. There's like a very, mm-hmm. there's probably a cuter way to describe that, but they're adorable. <laughs> so that's definitely, I would say like Fantasmic, Celebrate Disneyland. And yeah, those are just really cool. That's just amazing. So if you could kind of sum up some, I guess, some recommendations for people who are looking to go. Because I know there are a lot of people who listen, who are looking to go back for the, or go for the first time or go back for a second time. What are some things that you would recommend that people either think about or take with them or just do to prepare for their first trips to um, to maybe Disneyland Tokyo, but also maybe just to like be Americans in Tokyo. Yeah. So, um, Specifically Disney-related, I will say uh, the, the website is called TDR Explorer, um, and the guy who runs it, I think his name is Chris, right? Yeah, I'm just on it right now. Um, that's the the best, most comprehensive, clearest English site about the Tokyo parks and some of the Asian park mm-hmm. news in general. Um, and I actually met him once when I was walking around, and he was uh, really cool, even though I was an absolute dork to him. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just really clear. It's really good. And he also does a really good job of kind of letting you know the prices of things, the seasonal merch that's available um, and everything so that if you really feel overwhelmed by something and you're like, I don't even know how to budget or what to do or like, what am I going to spend on souvenirs? Mm -hmm. I totally recommend that website. Um, And I recommend like also remembering that you're probably not going to do everything like unless you're going to spend six days there and there's why would you don't run to do everything just know that you're not going to do it all and enjoy it Um, and that's what I would say regarding Tokyo stuff for Disney. And regarding Tokyo stuff slash Japan stuff in general, um, please remember that Japan exists outside of Tokyo. And please remember that Tokyo exists outside mm-hmm. of Disney. And I was so lucky in my time there. I went to Hokkaido, uh, which is like the northernmost island, which is, I would say, the place I might recommend the most outside of Tokyo. Um, you know, I, I, we had a friend, a mutual friend of ours, lives in Osaka and Kyoto area. And we got I got to visit her. Um you know, like, this is a really cool, beautiful country, and sometimes it's not going to be as easy as traveling in America because you're, first of all, you're on a, a, literally the opposite side of the time spectrum, um, so give yourself also time to be tired because it's a 14-hour difference from the East Coast. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say make sure you're being patient with other people and yourself. You're both working through a language barrier a lot of the time, and you also need to cut you need to know that someone else is helping you and you need to cut yourself some slack sometimes because it is a lot of brain energy to think in another language um and then i would say like don't don't be afraid to try something that is actually japanese and not like our version of japanese um so like for example the thing that i didn't even think about but a lot of my friends who visited or like people who I've talked to who have visited independently have said is they were like so surprised that if you go to a Japanese restaurant they like in America you can have like tempura and sushi and ramen in the same restaurant but like in Japan you go to a ramen restaurant or a sushi restaurant or a tempura restaurant 
and like these things are different and respected parts of the culture where you because you're going into specificity you get these more interesting cool things that like maybe you wouldn't get to try in america um and like as far as that goes i would also recommend that anyone who comes to japan eats okonomiyaki which is like japanese pancake and like we never make it in any restaurants i've seen in america but it's just like really japanese food um and just like yeah try to try to be comfortable and also try not to be comfortable like let yourself go out of that that comfortable zone and enjoy a little bit of a country and a culture that's not really yours it's really kind and cool and i really loved it there thank you hannah for that i appreciate it and i hope everybody at home has been taking notes now what are your as we finish up what were your five must have <gasps> snacks at, at between Disney okay. and Disney Sea. This is the best question. Um, even, and you you are even free to include some seasonal ones, but like for me, that was my favorite thing at Disneyland. I didn't eat a real meal at Disneyland. I think all I did was snack the Such whole time. Such a good choice. Uh, and um, so good. So so yeah, what yeah, go ahead. Give us those give us those your five must have okay. uh, treats. At, I at love this. This Disneyland. is the best question and I wasn't expecting it. I love it. So, okay. So one of the most Instagrammable things, of course, is that little alien mochi and it lives up to the name. <gasps> it's so mochi. good. But actually my like secret pro tip about these is if you're in Dis- so they used to be, you could only get them in Disney sea, but now you can get them in Disneyland and they used to only sell them in Disneyland. Um, in this little tiny booth when you got off of Buzz Lightyear. But now they also sell them in uh, somewhere like right in the connection of Fantasyland and Tomorrowland. And when you go there, you can get a nine pack. And one of them is the Pixar ball. And instead of the other flavors, it's lemon. And it's the only place on property where you can get this like different thing. Um, It was so cool. I didn't know it was going to be lemon. And it was. And it was like, what a delightful surprise. Um... (laughs) Uh, I would say that uh, Shandu buns, which are the tiger, is named Shandu, who's on uh, on Sinbad with you. Um, mm-hmm. They used to be his tail, and they used to be a different flavor, but now they're curry and chicken, and they're his face. Oh my god, so good! Oh, uh, I loved it. Amazing. And one time I went, and they told me they weren't doing them anymore, and I was sad. And then I went again, like with my friend, and they were there, and I was like, okay, we need to stop, even though we just ate lunch. Um, the peach. Uh, raspberry ice bar that's Minnie's face is my personal favorite as well especially during summer um oh Tokyo Disney in summer even though you're next to the ocean is as hot as Florida um if not hotter honestly so please also eat your ice bars drink your water um during that time because it's really easy to get dehydrated there um so, okay, those are three. What else did I always eat? There were, like, certain things I would go, oh, my favorite is, uh, so tipo torta is this, like, really, it's so weird. It's, like, kind of like a breadstick. There's something inside. But during Halloween, they do purple yam flavored or purple potato flavored. And it's sweet. Yeah. And I was like, this is weird. And also, normally, it has, like, a 30-minute wait. And I just happened to walk by, and there were only three people in line. So I was like, I'll see what the hype is about. Oh my god, very, very cool, very worth the hype, I thought. Um, it's like weird because it's like almost like a cookie on the outside, but not. I, it's just like so hard mm-hmm. to describe. Um, and then, oh god, this is so hard to say. They, I don't think they sell the regular Mickey ice cream bars anymore. So that was like a cool thing to like be in a different country and eat the same snack, but I don't think you can do that anymore. 
Um, but the Sweetheart Bakery in Disneyland there has just like cute shaped stuff, um, which is nice. But like they have the the Mike Wazowski bread, which is like cute if you like melon pond, um, which is like a very light bread. Um, mostly I recommend you try something. We Oh, they have the gyoza dogs. It's like a giant gyoza that's the size of a hot dog, but it's not a hot dog. It's a gyoza, which is a, like a dumpling, which is just like a very satisfying thing. Mm-hmm. Mm, I love that. That's that appeals to my fat American. <laughs> oh yeah, so that's actually <laughs> all of the prices of food in Disney in Tokyo. You'll probably be surprised because they're like, "Wow, that's cheap," um, but it's smaller. But actually, I, I prefer it that way because mm-hmm. I'd rather pay a little less for a smaller thing and then get to try many snacks. Mm-hmm. So don't don't be afraid if you're like yep. that was not enough food because it might not have been. You know. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's my thing. I'd rather graze and eat lots of little things throughout a day. Um, now, is there anywhere that you had a meal that you would recommend oh, checking um, out? So I'm not, on when property? I'm by myself, I would like never sit down for a meal other than one time by myself, I went to the, the W restaurant. Um, but if you have the budget, which I never did, I would splurge and go to Magellan's or Teddy Roosevelt. Um, but the other thing is, like, if I'm not with someone, I didn't want to sit down and have a meal. Like, I like the go, go, go of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. like, fun. And if you have solo trips or, like, mostly solo trips, it's, like, really nice, too, to just be, like, I I love being, like, I did 20 things today and it was fun. <laughs> but, yeah, oh, that's yeah. those are really cool. And I think, uh, actually, I think podcasts, are, no, one of the Disney bloggers has definitely done it. And they, their experience was really cool. Oh, and their Tower of Terror is different. I should mention that, I feel like, but I don't ride it. But it's not, it's not, um, it's like about SEA. It's in, there's this totem and stuff. It has nothing to do with the Twilight mm-hmm. Zone whatsoever. Yeah, I would look into SEA for anybody that's interested in deep Disney lore because it is also connected to the Adventurers Club from the old Disney uh, or um, Pleasure Island. It is connected. It is it is connected, and then also it is connected still through both Shanghai and Hong Kong because Mystic Manor at Hong Kong is connected to uh, Mystic Mm -hmm. as one of the SEA members. Um, so yeah, that is, if you're into some deep Disney lore that is specific to the three Asian parks, look into SEA. And it's also it really cool, cool for kids. Cause uh, it's a lot of the times what we like, they put with the kind of more like, it's not a ride, it's not an attraction, but it's an interactive component. Mm-hmm. I yeah. love that. Yeah. Mm. Well, thanks, Hannah, for coming on the show and laying out some things. You know, if anybody knows me, I actually like talking about the parks even more. I like about talking about the other parts of Disney. Um, So, yeah, thank you for sitting down and chatting with us today. Oh, my God. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us for this very special bonus episode of To Open Dreams uh, with our special guest, Hannah Katz. This is just our little way of continuing to fill you with some magic while Disney properties close, and we hope it'll be open again real soon. Now, it is time for some amazing good news. Thank you for those of us that have been sticking by Dole Open Dreams from the beginning, including our guests who are continually supportive of us. And because of that, 
This week, Dolip and Dreams officially joined the Certain Point of View Media family. That's right, we are now on a network with some of our favorite other podcasts, like Another Pass, Screensark, Reignite, uh, Fun and Games with Matt and Jeff, and the whole media family over at Certain POV. So, you can find all of our content there at certainpov.com. And as always, you can find us at doleupanddreamspod.com. You can find us on Facebook at doleupanddreamspod, on Instagram at doleupanddreams, on Twitter at doleuppod, even on TikTok at Maddie Lime. And you can check us out now on the Discord server over for certain POV. That's right, that link is on the website. Engage with us and other fans like yourself. And we know times are hard for everybody. Everyone's in quarantine. Everyone is uncertain. But remember, we do have our Patreon. You can find us there. And supporting us is only $2 a month. It is our only option. $2 a month lets me know that you love what we're doing and kind of helps us continue to go in the direction that we are. So thank you to all the dreamers out there for keeping us going every episode. May your days be filled with Dole Whip and dreams.